Now, can I take you back to your own childhood? Do you remember the occasion when you first felt consciousness of your own individual self? That was in my 11th year. I stepped out of a mist and I stepped out of it and I knew I am. I am what I am. And then I thought, but what have I been before? And then I found that I was, that I had been in a mist. Not knowing to differentiate myself from things. I was just one thing about, among, among many things. And did you believe in God? Oh, yes. Do you now believe in God? Uh, now? Difficult to answer. I know. I, need, I don't need to believe. I know. I know. Man cannot stand a meaningless life. It's another beautiful day in sunny Chattanooga. Okay. I don't want you to have to edit all that garbage. No, I don't give a shit. Uh, so, John, you just asked me to describe rollers. I dodged yep. my dodge of my dodge. Uh-huh. Here we are. Okay, so what I was going to say originally, my original dodge was I watched a film last night. Would you like to guess what film it was? A movie. Oh, boy. Um, have you seen it before? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I didn't remember it. I'll tell you what year it came out in. Okay. We're going to work our way down to it. Um, and this is not to, to I, this is not like a quiz. I just, it's fun. It's yeah, fun yeah. to tease it yeah. out. What year? Um, <clears throat> came out in 1989. 89. Okay. So exactly and- 30 years ago. Did uh, Martin Scorsese direct it? No. Okay. 89. Is it a comedy? It is a comedy. It's described... This is why I'm bringing it up. This film, this movie, is described on Wiki as an existential comedy. Huh. I'm going to tell you who's in it. I'm going to leave out the star. I'm going to leave out the star because he also directed it. This is where it's going to get really easy. Okay. Okay. Martin Landau. Angelica Houston. Alan Alda. Mia Farrow. This is not getting easier. Um, Woody Allen. (laughs) Woody Allen. Woody Allen was in it and directed it and wrote it. 1989. I have no clue. Crimes and Misdemeanors. Ah, watched that in a philosophy class one time. It's an excellent movie. Um, mm-hmm. So the reason I watched it is because it looked good. And uh, the reason I'm talking about it is because it is good. It's a great movie. But anyway, it's described as an existential comedy. I'm beginning to think that that's a bit of what Rollers is. Is It's, a, it's kind of like mm. an existential comedy about a man named Rufus Paisley who is has taken charge of his parents' beloved concert venue 
Um, it's a hundred year old venue. It's been around a long time. He is now running it with his sister and he is trying effectively they're on the ropes and the central conflict of the movie is whether or not to save this place. I think I used to describe it as sort of a typical save the save the store type story, but I think that's a little misleading because the truth is he is trying to save it, but very early in the process he begins to self-sabotage and, and kind of mm. not take certain opportunities that he could if in a, in a normal sort of empire records or whatever. Everyone's kind of doing everything they can, and in this case part of the driving conflict of the whole thing is that he's not doing everything he can. And that's been one right. of the hardest things to figure out in the script and in the production and in the editing. And cause it's, you know, people like active characters and he's very active at waffling between. Wanting to save it. <laughs> he's very right. active in his process of misery and, creating problems for himself. He's extremely active in that sense. Mm -hmm. Not terribly active in terms of actually doing what would be required to save the venue. When we have these conversations, do you ever wish that you could go back and add a line in the movie or like a scene, you know? Oh, all the time. Constantly. I mean, dude, I, so I was watching Crimes and Misdemeanors last night. Did I mention that? (laughs) Who directed that? (laughs) Alan Alda, I think. Um, Isn't Angelica Houston in that? I think that's a different movie. Oh, I'm thinking of Gumby. Ah, yeah, Gumby. (laughs) Is she in Gumby? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. (laughs) I watched one of those, um, I watched one of those like, where are they now? Or why why you haven't heard from so-and-so in 10 years? And I forget the guy's name. He's in Mallrats. I'm going to look him up. I think it's Jason Lee or something like that. Um, he was a professional skateboarder, became friends with the guys who made Mallrats. Mm-hmm. What was that? What's that director's name? Um, it's not Kevin oh, Smith, boy. is it? Yeah, Kevin Smith. Oh. Yep, Kevin Smith exactly nailed it. Yeah, Jason Lee. So I watched this thing that was like, where's Jason Lee? Why you haven't heard from him? Turns out the guy, you know, he's a skateboarder. He was in these independent films and then he went back to skateboarding. And then he made like $10 trillion by being in the Chipmunk movies. Oh. Alvin and the Chipmunks, you know? Also, dude, he starred in My Name is Earl. Right. Yep. And Which he was actually a was a massive sitcom for like f- years. Yep, and then he moved to a small town called Denton, Texas, hmm. where he lives now in obscurity. What did I just watch with Jason Lee in it? I just saw him in uh, it. Alvin and the Chipmunks. No, certainly not that. I got to figure this out. Crimes and Misdemeanors. No, it was a different movie. All right, you want to move on. That's fine. We can... He was in there saying, <laughs> Alvin! Oh, geez. He does have that voice. Yep, that's what he did. Okay. I was watching Crimes and Misdemeanors, delightful film. You know, one thing that struck me is he's just not afraid to say what he needs to say, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's packaged in beautiful... I mean, it's it's one of those sneaky, beautiful movies. You know, it's... I wish I had watched it right before Rollers because in a lot of ways I was watching a lot of flashier, kind of more 
you know, like PT Anderson style right. stuff to, to study it visually. Mm-hmm. And I realized I really wanted to make a movie that looks like crimes and misbehaviors. It's a lot of long unbroken takes, but they're really sneaky. You don't mm-hmm. even really notice that they're it's, it's, it's things I've talked about. And, um, and it's, it's because he just kind of like lets the actors play out performances in these really interesting ways. Right. Um, and, and it's, you look at it and you're like, Oh man, this looks like, a little, you know, New York walk and talk, but the reality is it's actually quite, quite sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Um, he uses a lot of flashback. He uses a lot of very direct exposition at one point. Oh, I wish I could remember the exact line, but at one point, Woody Allen's character literally says, this is my worst fear realized. He says those words. And I'm like, his character would say that because his character says things like that, but damn, that sure is helpful for the right, right. It's, it's just, that's when exposition is absolutely warranted and totally useful. And I think sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, Oh, you can't say all that right up front. I'm like, well shit, dude, it works. You know, there's a a joke. There's a joke from family guy where they, um, they're talking about how movies refer to the title in the movie. Hmm. Have you ever seen this joke? Or the guy's like, uh, you know, it's, I, I love it when they say the name of the movie in the movie. And it's like, and that's why we're, oh, damn it. I wish I knew the joke. I'll have to cut it in. But at some <laughs> point they go through a series, of them, a series of them, like, and I am the gladiator or like, that's why they call uh, me Braveheart. Do it. Let's shave the cat. Oh boy, I usually only get this excited when they say the title of a movie in the movie. I'm telling you, these drug dealers represent a clear and present danger to the United States. Eh, eh, he said it, he said it. All I'm saying is, what if this is as good as it gets? Eh, eh, there it is, there it is. The only way for me to solve this crisis is to be Superman 4, the quest for peace. Oh, that's why they call it that. And then it's like, and that's why they call me Superman Four: Return of Thor, like <laughs> some <laughs> shit like that. It's a great hard. joke, but exactly. As I was watching, um, I was doing a little clip work on on rollers myself, mm. and I was trying to find in the cut basically like a one or two word summary of what rollers is you know like if you if you took the movie gladiator or the movie braveheart Mm -hmm. i think you could go in there and find one or two lines from the character that explain like i am decius maximus blah 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 and he explains exactly what the fuck he's doing Mm -hmm. why he's doing it same with braveheart you know i'm william wallace and i the English mm-hmm. took my land and we're taking it back. And that's the whole entire movie in one sentence. Right. And I end actually did sort of find in two parts mm-hmm. uh, places where that happens. One that I'm sure you remember is uh, when that dude is playing piano and Rufus and a woman are watching him and he turns to her and he says, this is why I have to save rollers. Right. Because it's even this though moment I, of like joyful music which we right. don't He's see a ton of, even though it's a music, music movie. 
well, he's, he's watching a guy play and he's really good. And the girl says like, this guy's, you know, they're virtually unheard of. And he says, that's why I have to save rollers. This is why I have to save rollers. And the other one is when he's talking to Maddie. Maddie's says, sister who he owns his sister. with. Yeah. And he says something to the effect of like, this whole thing to you is just money. It's like a it's like a fish in a fishbowl. If the fish dies, you'll just throw it out. You'll get a new one. But for me, this is my life. Mm. You know, and even though it's not really the point of the movie, because he ends up coming to a different realization by the end of the movie. Oh, does he, does, John? <laughs> we'll let you, the viewer, find out. But he... um. But it does really encapsulate at least like a solid three quarters of the movie. So it yeah. is there. It is there for mm-hmm. sure. But I was thinking about that as I was editing, uh, cutting this thing together. And I was like, you know, is that important to have? Do you wish you had it in there? Mm-hmm. Looking back, particularly after editing this so much, I don't know. Is there? Well, let, I know there's yeah, stuff me, you wish you could change, but. Well, let me reframe that even a little bit. I think that's a very good question, but I think. I think a different way of putting that is I think I frankly wasted a lot of time. I don't think the movie will suffer greatly because of it, but I think I have had to work a lot harder than I might have if I was more experienced like Woody Allen, who just kind of knows what he needs, you know? And I, I think I wasted a lot of time uh, well, we've we've used the house analogy, you know. I've I've wasted a lot of time in the script and other things in in painting sort of a beautiful mural on a wall that we're never going to actually see. Mm. And I kind of wish I had realized, like, you know what? This is a movie. It's not a TV show. Like, get the exposition out. You know? Okay. So, um, one one movie that I mentioned last time, um, well, I didn't actually mention it. But I was saying, you know, I, I've learned a lot from from a movie I've seen recently. Um, Crimes and Misdemeanors was very informative, but yeah. also um, The Shining. I watched The Shining. All right, Stanley Kubrick. It's a great film. Beautiful, beautiful movie. And again, it's one of those things where you 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 see these things like it's 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 Crimes and Misdemeanors. It mostly takes place in you know, these small New York apartments and whatnot. But then he, he sneaks in these shots of gorgeous, you know, New York or, or in the shining, just shockingly beautiful, like weird stuff, like blood pouring out of an elevator or Mm. just these beautiful hotel rooms and vistas and a a hedge maze, all all that kind of stuff. All the great steady cam shots Totally. Which I think that, that they invented Steadicam for I, that movie. Yeah, I think so. Or at the very least, the guy who invented Steadicam, like that was one of the first movies it was used on. Right. Um, and he operated it. And but anyway, okay. So Bob where I'm Steadicam. going with this is I think what I wish I had done, John, is I wish I had been a man about the exposition that I needed to get out there. And just get it out there. There's a, there's a phrase called the Pope in the pool. A lot of people don't like Blake Snyder. We've talked about Blake Snyder. He's a famous screenwriting guru, widely hated for his sort of paint by numbers approach. But again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Save the cat is the book he's famous for. I think 
is an incredibly helpful tool. You just have to know how to use it. Um, you, you just can't, you can't use formula to replace creativity, but formula is damn helpful when you're trying to analyze what's wrong with your story. Right. And um, he has this phrase called the Pope in the pool where he basically, it's based on some movie. I don't even remember what it is, but it's based on this idea that like, if you got to get exposition out, do it, get it out. But, Put the Pope in the pool. Do something weird. You know, like there's this famous movie he was talking about where like the Pope is providing some very much needed exposition to some other character. But yeah. instead of just sitting them in the Pope's office and it's really boring, he shows the Pope swimming around in a swimming pool talking to the other character, which is inherently interesting because when's the last time you saw a Pope swimming in a pool? So I think that's just like a really simple whatever example, but I think there's a lot of times where I'm like, man, if I had just gotten a little less fancy with certain things, mm. I could have gotten this story beat out in two lines instead of three minutes. Right. And that three minutes then could have been used to show these characters living in the world, doing other things. You know, like one thing I loved about, crimes and misdemeanors is these extended sequences of like philosophical pondering by mm -hmm. this old philosopher that Woody Allen is profiling named something Levy. And mm -hmm. he, he talks about love and he talks about the point of existence and he talks about everything very explicitly. And I'm like, man, that's the kind of stuff I want to do. And I do a little bit of that, right. but there's okay. so much legwork from the story being done through kind of like relatively inefficient. I mean, again, I take everyone listening to this knows how much I care about this movie and I still believe in it. So I'm not shitting on the movie. I'm just being honest about my limitations as a writer. When I made this, like I spent a lot of time being like, well, I got to, you know, that's the big difference. I think even in, in where I've come with the newest draft is I, and why I think it's so much stronger than what it was. I figured out a way to front load all the stakes. So it's like you get all right. the stuff up front. Yeah, maybe you don't care about the characters as deeply as you will when you hear about their problems, right? Right. Because originally I was like, well, we got to care about the characters, then we get to see them struggle more. And it's like, well, but part of the way you care about characters is seeing them struggle. Yeah, in a situation that you can relate to, that you you're almost putting yourself in their shoes, right? Exactly, and and in some ways that's so I, I don't know. Like I think with with Woody Allen, there was some great stuff where I was like, man, he's just getting it out there so that I can then just watch these characters exist in the world that he's created, and because right. I understand the stakes, because I understand their problems and their flaws and all that kind of stuff, then I can just kind of go along for the ride and not have to wonder constantly about like where the story is headed and how he's going to bring things together, except in an exciting way where I'm like, how the, how is this going to resolve? This is insane. You know, crimes and misdemeanors, is, it's sort of centered around this. I'm guessing crime and punishment to some extent was a major influence, but it's based around this idea that like this guy commits a very effective sort of covered up murder. Right. Um, is effectively deciding whether or not he's going to turn himself in. And in a lot of ways, there's a lot of comps to rollers in the sense that like the question is not, can I get away with this? The question is not, can I save rollers? The question is, should I save rollers? Should I get away with murder? I know I can, 
but should I, what does that right. mean for the rest of my life? And it's kind of just a, an exploration of that. Um, but anyway, point being, I think sometimes I look at the edit and I think, man, if I had just not gotten fancy with this one part, I could have put these characters in a completely different situation that revealed their characters in a totally different way. Mm. Um, Give us a specific example. Okay. So, well, one thing I've noticed with great directors, and this is the the kind of thing that every screenwriting book tells you, every directing book tells you, every mentor tells you, I'm telling people now, and most people are not going to listen because you got to learn these lessons on your own. But when people told me like, get into a scene as late as you possibly can and get out as early as you possibly can. Does that make sense? Like I, I no, that makes I sense. I don't really know okay. what that means. Okay, perfect. Well, then I'll, then I'll explain Ooh. to, to the best of my ability. The idea is effectively the beauty of movies is, is, is this concept of like montage, like the idea that you can juxtapose two images or two things. And that is the story. It's not this, like, you don't have to watch the person walk into the room unless there's drama inherently included in their walking in. Like the beauty of a movie is that at its best movies keep you where you want to be all the time. Right. And so, the idea with get in late, get out early is I don't need to see two characters preamble endlessly before they mm-hmm. get to the meat of the conversation. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Um, and I don't need to see them decide how the conversation's going to end. And that's one thing I love in the shining. There's parts where it's like you get into the conversation there. It's, it's, you know, in media's in media res or whatever, like mm. the story is already moving. You get into the conversation which is part of a conversation that, or which is part of the story that's moving and, and great directors will just cut in. They're already there. They're already talking. You don't need to see all this stuff. You want to see the drama because the scene, as I've said, a great short film, you know, or great scenes do not a great movie make. And the idea is that like, yeah, sure. Like if you zoom in, on one little frame of the movie and it's beautiful that's cool but i'm not watching one frame of the movie i'm watching the whole movie so at the end of the day everything has to serve the broader story and the way to best achieve that goal is to not waste time and to constantly be revealing new things in people's characters and the plot and the themes. I think what I'm trying to say is is basically that everyone tells you that, but then you fall in love with stuff and you're like, well, this is important and this is important and this detail needs to be here because of this. And none of that's wrong. At the end of the day, what people really want to see is drama and right. true conflict. Where I'm really coming around to is that like, I didn't entirely trust not that I'm going to perfectly do this now, but I didn't entirely trust the strength of the, of the structure of the story. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I constantly had to kind of like add more when in reality, less is always more when it comes to storytelling. There are scenes that I look at and I'm like, man, I shot a bunch of this kind of stuff, the lead into the scene. And I spent a lot of time getting that right. What I really should have done, because we already know these characters, what I really should have done is just cut the first third of the scene and cut the last third of the scene and only shoot the middle third 
because the middle third is what's in the movie. So right, right. Why did I shoot the other two thirds? So you're saying and, you have like all of these shots of like <clears throat> two characters walking into a room, about to have a conversation. You've got tons right, of this, and unless tons there's of them drama, so right, unless there's drama associated with them walking in. If it's an awkward conversation, yeah, and the way that the conversation begins is interesting, then great, use it. But otherwise, fuck that. I don't right. need that shit, you know? And it's like, I think I'm just leaning into that a little more. And I think watching great directors like Stanley Kubrick, he'll, he'll drop you into the middle of a scene. It's already going. You get 30 seconds, sometimes a minute of exposition. And, and of course, it's well-written and interesting. This was, this was a huge, exciting thing for me when I saw him do this. He would just straight up, like, as soon as the relevant information has gotten... He would just hard cut, just get the hell out of that scene mm. with a title, with music, with a, with a, it was truly an amazing study in, in the concept of montage where he's like constantly juxtaposing images against each other in order for the combination mm. of things to tell the story, you know? Right. And so then the exposition sort of gets appropriately buried inside of the larger narrative. And it's really exciting. And it also is just more efficient. My whole point being when you're more efficient with those things, you can be more indulgent with the things like watching long musical performances and watching mm -hmm. a character ride a bicycle or a, tri a, right. a big wheel around the hallways of the, of the hotel, because that is visual storytelling and visual storytelling is really what movies that's to me what makes movies the most exciting i think yes exposition yes great character development through dialogue all that kind of stuff is great but like all the great directors use visual storytelling equally to the amount that they use any other sort of facet of it but yeah that the that point movie is, is you a can't do that if you're constantly worrying about if the story is going to get across through dialogue. You know, you right, got to decide right. that from the beginning anyway. Well, that movie is interesting that you, you use that as a, uh, <clears throat> as a reference point because famously there is a ton of visual exposition, you know, where they're mm -hmm. walking around and he's trying to give you a sense of the scope of this place. And you're walking around with him for minutes, you know, and there's mm -hmm. a f opening scene or a pretty early scene where Jack Nicholson and the hotel manager are just walking through the hotel. He's telling you this, the history of the hotel, which is like semi fascinating, mm -hmm. but you're really just getting a scope for how huge this place is. Mm -hmm. You're, you're watching it wind down. It's uh, and it's not a short scene. Most of the scenes no. in that movie are quite long. It's not, it's not tight. In fact, by today's standards, I think you could make an argument that that movie is almost boring. I mean, I certainly don't think so. I love The Shining. I love the book. But visually, the way that Let's it's put presented. Let's it this way. It's definitely, not, it's definitely not cut at the pace of contemporary right. genre movies. Exactly. Yeah, for certainly better, not a horror movie. And I think for better. I mean, that movie has a lot of yeah. stuff. It has the Pope in the pool. I mean, there's, there's tons of weird things in there that grab your attention. And I, I've looked this up a hundred times. I still barely know the answer, but there's a scene. There's a scene in the end where Jack is walking through the hotel, and he and a door is open, and he looks through, and there's two guys banging, 
in like animal costumes. <laughs> no, and, one of them has on like a weird animal mask. He's giving the other one a blowjob. <laughs> right, right. There's some weird sexual thing and guys and and he just looks over. They look at him and yep. that's it. And it just moves on. Yeah. Yep. And it's haunting. I mean, that movie is is a fascinating movie. Anyway. Um, right. Well, and in, in, in watching that, I was like, man, that's the kind of stuff. If I just got to be totally brutally honest, which I usually am. I think that's that to me is what could potentially hold rollers back from some theoretical ideal of what it could be is those, those little moments that I could have gotten had I put them in the plan, but I just didn't. And I got some of them because I was in the space. I was with the characters. I did get some. And I think that's, what's going to, Honestly, that's one of the big differences between the cut that you've seen and everyone else has seen and the cut that you will soon see. Ooh. Is there's a lot more little stuff. There's just life at rollers. There's there's weird stuff. And mm. in some cases, I'm using things from other parts of the movie that were exposition in one part and now they become interesting sort of thematic things in a different mm. context if you either move the scene completely or flash back to it or flash forward to it or I, I'm really like I'm enjoying this process of editing because I'm finding I'm freeing myself from kind of this like I, I think in some ways I've I've my limitations as a writer and a director have led me to only be able to solve so many problems at once Right. And that's always going to be the case. But I think as I'm growing, I'm learning to make more complicated decisions quicker. And that is how you eventually get to the point where you're like, I'm going to put this little thing in here and it's going to not even cost us a ton of time. It's just a couple of dudes in tuxedos and animal masks <laughs> getting it on in a hotel room. But I hope you add that. It's. Oh, I absolutely will. But th- I mean, dude, honestly, this place, this, you know, rollers from the beginning, I've had this vision of it being this like, it's this, it's, it is somewhat haunted in a way, mm-hmm, you know, right. it is rollers is very similar to the hotel and the shining in the sense that it's been around a long time. A lot has happened there. A lot of heartbreak, a lot of certainly someone has died there over the course of a century. Of course it has to be the case, you know, like there's stuff that's taken place there. And I think, you sense some of that, but I think what I am learning to lean into is that the beauty of movie making is that you can show it. There's nothing right. preventing you, especially in a beautiful old building like rollers. There's nothing preventing you from jumping all over time and from, you know, tell, but again, that's a comp, it's a more complicated story and it requires sort of a more deft, touch that because that can get messy it can get confusing it can Mm -hmm. get boring very quickly and so but anyway that to me when i was watching crimes and misdemeanors i was like this guy or or even the shining but again the shining is slow in certain ways but crimes and misdemeanors was like this guy's packing so much story into so little time and part of it is because he knows when to spend his long scenes but then other times he's like I'm going to blow through like there's this one part where he sh- he's supposed to be making you know Woody Allen's character is supposed to be making a documentary about his brother-in-law who he hates. He's a successful TV producer hmm. and he and he's kind of an asshole. And he's he gets hired to make this documentary about him. And he's following him around and clearly is annoyed with him. 
But when he finally shows him the dock, it's this perfect, again, it's just sort of masterful movie making because instead of telling us about the dock, instead of showing us their argument only, they show us the Alan Alda character sitting with Woody Allen watching a chunk of the documentary that he made, which means we can jump around because there's editing within the edit. And all of a sudden you're just creating a huge amount of efficiency because you get to see Alan Alda in all of these different scenarios that would otherwise need establishing shots and Uh, and context. And so all of a sudden it's like you get to see Alan Alda in all these different contexts in a 30 second span of time. And you get to see Woody Allen watching Alan Alda watch it. And so then you get another layer of storytelling. Right. Then you get a short argument afterwards where he says you're fired and you understand why. And all of that took maybe 90 seconds. And I'm like, dang, that's totally just another level of storytelling. It's like a good parable, a good haiku or whatever. Like every everything is is useful. Um in, in at least two or three ways, usually. Yeah, and after that fast-paced exposition like you were describing, you will forgive, not, not even forgive, you will be engrossed in a scene of Woody Allen walking down the Manhattan Street dejected. Exactly, because, now, because you, you totally understand why. You completely understand it. You're projecting yourself into that position. This is what I would do. I'd walk down the street, I'd be pissed off, I'd be upset, blah, blah, blah. Somebody said the movie is called Rollers. It should be more about the place. Do you feel like you have in in any cut to date put enough in about like given the place Rollers its own feeling? Mm-hmm. I think there's quite a bit of that, um, but not enough perhaps. And I do think that in a way – that has been the biggest transit. That's a good question because I think it captures the limitations of previous drafts. And I think in a lot of ways it captures what has been changing in recent, in the last week and a half, mm-hmm. which is that I think I pitched the movie as the story of one person or the story of an ensemble of people. When right. in reality, the movie is, to your point, about rollers it's about the place the place has a spirit and it almost talks to us from the very beginning of the movie there's a i I designed these t-shirts that the staff wears yeah and and it says on the back staff and then it says i will bounce your ass right and in a way i i didn't totally i i obviously understood sort of the thematic relevance of it but it was funny because i didn't quite think ahead and this is the kind of thing where I'm like, next time I will think ahead about that and I'll use it even more. But there's a, it's almost like that is rollers talking to us as the right. audience and to the characters and saying, I will bounce your ass. Like, yeah. If you're not you, worthy of the place. Yeah. You will be like, bounced. like I am not going to sit here and be a shell of myself. You cannot keep me alive on life support forever. I will bounce you. Do you have stuff that has not been put in that you could explain that directly? Probably somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have some conversations about that. And I think there's there's other stuff that we can continue to play with that sort of expresses that, again, in a visual way. But But part of it is the structure of the story, little things that have 
push the story more in the direction of, again, sort of an existential question of like, not can, but should, that it, it, it is making the story more about like Rufus. It, the story is about Rufus and, and, and his friends, but they are the stewards of this place. They are not, and, and in many ways, they are the protagonists. But the key to the whole thing is that, I don't know, I mean, uh, yeah, the key to the whole thing working is effectively that like Rufus is a representative of all the people who have tried to steward this place. He is not unique in his um, desire to save it. What is unique is the timing and all the other things and the life cycle that Rollers itself has gone through. Mm. And so I think where the movie really started to take shape is when I, because that was always in my head a little bit in the writing, but I think I didn't trust it completely. And again, because it was always there, it's in the edit too, and I just have to figure out how to bring it out. And I think as I'm bringing more of that out, it also makes the characters more interesting. Um, it makes it makes you sympathize with them more. So that's been a big change, and it's exciting. Um, in the same way that like The Shining, you know, the the older guy, the the older black guy, says to to the kid, he's like, you know, sometimes I think this building is alive effectively that it right. has its own will and i do think that to some extent rollers is alive you know i think rollers is this living organism yeah and again to be totally honest i do wish i had more of that stuff i wish right. i had trusted that aspect of the story more that said i have enough to tell the story and i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna work and i think people will notice that very much it's just that i don't know i'm not gonna live in the past though because the truth is i love what i have and it's like yeah. i love because you could kind of say the same thing, like in a way, Rollers is also about music in a very broad sense. It's also about addiction. It's also about, you know, it's about a lot of things. So I think if anything, it would have been really easy to get too obsessed with the place right. as a character. And then I don't tell the story of the actual characters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, I think in a way, like, it's more just noting for the future more so than, uh, you know, sweating the, sweating <laughs> the fact that maybe I kind of didn't do it exactly right because like whatever who whoever I've, does i've always been reluctant to mention this because it sounds like you know it's not my movie or whatever but it sounds <clears throat> i don't know ungrateful or something but <laughs> but the yeah. reality is like crimes and misdemeanors has well, i looked it up the budget for that movie was 19 million dollars which probably means yeah. that the craft services budget on crimes and misdemeanors is like comparable to the entire rollers budget well if not triple i mean <laughs> like yeah no it's it's and plus that's in 1989 dollars which in terms of what that buys you i mean four billion dollars in 2019 right well i don't know it could be 35 million though oh, easily, yeah. you know yeah yeah and that's not to say you know, money doesn't make a movie. It doesn't make a story better necessarily, but, um, you know, it's a huge, it is a factor for sure. Like it, it yeah. affects who you can get in the movie. It affects, but I was watching. Well, this well even for instance, I have a feeling that they did. Uh, there's no way they didn't do reshoots. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, yeah. and plus dude, when you're on like a 50 day shoot, you just have a lot of time in the middle 
to make adjustments. And that was even shocking to me on a 20 day shoot. I was like, okay, we're not ready for this, push it back. And we just figured out a way to push it back and we put something else in place. And when you're on a long shoot like that, there's a lot of room to be like, okay, we need an extra day here. Let's do it. You know, there's just more wiggle room in certain ways. Now, of course there's more rigidity in other ways because it's so large, but yeah, I agree. And, and that's part of the reason I'm not, not dwelling on it. And to your point, a a huge budget like that allows this. This is from Wikipedia for production. There's one sentence. After viewing the first cut of the film, Woody Allen decided to throw out the first act, call back actors for reshoots, and focus on what turned out to be the central story. I mentioned this. Be nice. I mentioned this before in (laughs) my. Wow. I mentioned this before in my audio intro. I don't know if anybody caught it, but. Casablanca, there are tons of famous movies where they started with something, whatever that something was, and went in a completely different direction. Right. And you don't really have that luxury. I mean, this is a trial by fire in a mm-hmm. sense. And as I was watching some of these clips last night, I was like, man, at the at an absolute minimum, I don't I don't think the story is bad. Even in the mm-hmm. in the latest cut, it's not. But I was watching the visuals and all, and I was like, man, it's it is definitely beautiful. Like I cut the entire movie into about a one minute, like, but, but, but quick beats, you know, mm, with cool. no, without even audio. Cause I put some music behind it and I, I decided just to strip all the audio out because the audio still had like the levels are all crazy. Yeah. It hasn't been mastered or anything yet, which, you know, that's comes at a later date anyway, but I didn't want to do that for my clip. So I just stripped all the audio out, put a song underneath of it jammed all these clips together and watched it and it's it's beautiful i mean there's thanks it's really nice and i'm gonna i'll send it to you but um it's maybe we should post that if you're willing to dude i'll post it in a second Uh, send it to me i think it could be kind of cool i mean it's not like anybody's gonna get the whole story from it i'll cut like a pre-trailer trailer yeah, dude, if you're cool with it, i would i'll send it to you i think you should put it up i think people will really like to see it I think visually it's really uh it looks really really good. I think that could be really cool. Well, you know, and 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 I forgot to mention this earlier, but we're at minute 50, right? Well, <laughs> out, but, um I forgot to mention this before, but uh this is a a very appropriate time to maybe release a little something something cuz John, yeah. this is episode 50. 550. And that's a at- massive milestone. I never thought we'd make it past 4. I know you're on the record saying it. Um, I think though that that would be a really exciting way to, to celebrate 50 eps. Um, How would you put it out? I don't know. I got to think about that. Maybe on the internet. The what? (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to release it as a 16 millimeter print. And if you want to see it, you got to come to my house. So, uh, (laughs) No, I'm <laughs> get your reel to reel projector out this morning. My kids like not because they're naughty because they're too young for any of this, but they we have a computer in our bedroom. They walked in there mm-hmm. on summer break. They walked in, they closed the door behind them. My younger son did. And they sat down. They they have like two websites they can go to <laughs> like Legos dot com and PBS kids dot com. And oh, but I but they closed the door behind them, I think, so the dog wouldn't follow them. Mm-hmm. But I. I don't know why I just got really uncomfortable and I barged in there and I was like, Hey, I was like, if, if some guy, like some random guy walked in off the street 
would you guys think it was okay to walk in this room with him and close the door behind you? And they're like, no, no. I was like, you're sitting down at a box that has access to every person ever Mm. and all of their thoughts, everything they've ever done or wanted to do on this computer. Like you cannot be in here with the door closed. Mm. That's a very fair way of putting that. Yeah, it's kind of true. Like it's not, I'm not necessarily worried about them. I mean, right. eventually I will be, but it's all the, the fucking weirdos out there. I totally get that. Yeah. It only takes one like bondage slash foot fetish gift to ruin your entire oh, childhood. <laughs> um, How did we get on that? Um, that is actually a really interesting way to think about it. Well, yeah. So I think just to, to recap that, I will put it out on the internet. If I feel like it's not going to ruin the movie, but I think that could be, I think that could be really exciting. I think it'd be really cool. Um, and, and, and a great way to sort of, you know, we're obviously not at the point where we're going to put a trailer out, but, um, but we're not that far from putting a trailer out. Um, so I like that idea and maybe I'll even release, the poster that I've been working on. Oh yeah. Um, I've been working with fifteen uh, four, an agency production company that my dad started back in the day. They're up in Baltimore. That was my first job. We've talked about that on air actually back in yeah. the day. Um, we had your dad on the air. We did have my dad on air. That's a great episode. I think that might've been episode. Was it seven? I talked uh, about how I almost died at Sundance. So uh, <laughs> you're going to want to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, I think that could be really cool. And in in celebration of our 50th episode, it's the 40th episode of the Rollers Diaries. Um I think that's I think that's a really exciting prospect. Thank you, John, for uh for cutting that. Next week, our 51st episode, we're going to be releasing an episode. We're also going to be releasing a cut down of Rollers which is going to basically, as you were saying, it's basically just going to be really cool visuals. The whole movie effectively crammed into a a minute-ish with some dope music just to give you like a sense of the place, a sense of the movie. Is that accurate? Yeah. Great. So we're going to release that. We're going to release our 51st episode, which is basically going to be a a really fun, yeah, the Roller's Diaries crammed into an hour. Um, and, and just so everybody knows, John has been working on an abridged Roller's Diaries, which we will eventually be releasing as its own show, because I know a lot of people have joined us much later in the show. And so there's a lot of the history that I think is interesting and relevant, but also I'm not expecting everybody to go back and listen to 46 episodes of the show, particularly the episodes Um, where we do cooking with John and Zay for four hours. Cooking with John and Zay. John gave us a really great cooking lesson. You want to do a little cooking? Let's do an episode of Cooking with John right, and Zay. John, so cooking with John and Zay. Go, John, go, go. yesterday I filleted. I went to the Asian market down the street. Uh-huh. And I I bought some sea bass. Oof. And I filleted the sea bass. And I put the fillets in a cast iron skillet with some lard, some like delicious organic lard that we got from uh, my cousins when they were moving, they had in their freezer. They're like, we don't need this. I was like, that, oh. that is the grossest way to get lard I've ever heard. Yeah. It's disgusting, but, but whatever. And then, um, 
So no, it's not disgusting. It's delicious. So I, I, but you know, lard is great to cook with, especially if you want to cook nice and hot because it doesn't smoke as the te- smoke temp is much higher. Mm. So I, I cooked, I cooked it with, um, I, I put some lard and some butter and a cast iron skillet, and then I dusted these fillets with, uh, with some, some salt, some pepper, some cornstarch, just a little bit, mm. and then I popped those babies in there, fried them up. Threw them in tacos. I literally Ooh. just took two taco shells and put the fillets <laughs> in the tacos with like some avocado and some old bay seasoning. And uh, I, I made my own tacos. You know, I cut up some little cornichons, like mini, mini pickles. You took the skin off. It on there. No, I cooked the skin. I like skin. You cooked the skin, but when you put it in the tacos, you, did you take the skin off or not? No, left the skin on. I just, I just threw those fillets right on there. And they were awesome. That's a controversial move. Is it? Well, to me, I mean, I don't know what I'm sure Mm. somebody out there is crying right now or calling me a phony, but the skin was the skin was uh, very delicious. Yeah. I don't see any reason to get rid of it. Do you did you scale it? Did you take your knife and (laughs) yeah, yeah, I scaled it. Yeah, Yeah. All right. The guy at the store actually scaled it for me, which was nice. But dang. I did scale it. No, the skin was very tender. It was Good. very edible. But anyway, so um, that's our episode with Cooking with John and Zay. <laughs> Another hit. Back to the real show. Um, <laughs> we are just cranking those out. Um, back to the real show. So so next week, cut down of rollers. 51st episode of I Guess We'll Do It That Way is Holy going to cow. be. Isn't that insane? It is going to be a one-hour recap of rollers so just because you know some of the story don't worry it's going to be interesting we're giving you the highlights it's a highlight reel baby Mm. so we're going to release that along with a cut down of rollers along with a poster that i've been working with 15 for to develop that's a that's an exciting way to celebrate 50 eps dude that's a lot and it's a good way to celebrate the pending completion of rollers the movie which is why we started this podcast in the first place yeah absolutely um and just so everybody knows what's going to be fun is that we will you know john i'm I'm envisioning a future where this that we will continue the show no matter what but i'm envisioning a future where you know we start talking about other pro- projects yeah um including but not limited to big announcement john and i are going to be working on a script together starting what? very soon say um, what did you not know that? <laughs> I do now. Uh, no, but um, that's exciting. There's a lot of other updates, but uh, but that's going to be happening. We're going to be talking about that process on air, which I'm really excited about because, you know, obviously when we started, I guess we'll do it that way. We were already deep into pre-production in a way. Yeah. I want to start talking about this other project. We'll, we'll do a whole intro episode, but, but spoiler, it's called the sidekick. Uh Oh, and, uh, it's about a, a, a small city where a sidekick lives and works for a superhero named captain steel. And, uh, there's some fun twists and turns and, and John and I are going to be writing that kind of from the ground up. It's a script I've been working on for a long time and I've mentioned it on the show before, mm-hmm. but, we're gonna we're gonna page one that bad boy. It's gonna be sick. So we're doing that. But there's a lot to to look forward to in the show. Even though Rollers is is from a production standpoint coming to a close. Because you know one thing I'm excited about, John. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> just when people actually start watching this movie, you know there's gonna be trolls. 
There always are. You think so? Some of them will be prof- Oh yeah. Some of them will be professional. Some of them will be amateur. But John, I am thrilled about the prospect of of airing good and bad feedback about the movie. Oh, I yeah. think that's going to be an absolute hoot, especially if the movie gets panned. I can't think of a better way to achieve some sort of catharsis in that process than reading bad reviews on air. So, <laughs> and if it's good, then we'll do the opposite, but I am committing to that. I am I I am interested in talking about all of that we've done that with other projects but so that's going to be happening and then so lots of announcements and then um finally john this is uh this is a little reward where i'm gonna i'm probably gonna be mentioning this on a lot of episodes okay i had the idea recently um we've got a lot of new listeners most of them probably nine out of ten of them have still not rated the show Mm. and i want to i want to do a little psa um we find new people apparently through word of mouth because we've got a lot a lot of new listeners which we're very thankful for but part of the way that we're going to continue to grow and and talk to new people is that people are going to give us a rating and a review it takes about 13 seconds you don't have to write a 2000 word review you can write a five word review that's plenty give us an honest rating you know we'll uh, we'll 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 deal with that but here's why you should do it Partly because if you're listening, you must think the show is worth something. But more importantly, John, I'm announcing this. This is important. This is official starting now. Uh-oh. It's been a it's been a seed in my brain. Now it is reality. No turning back unless you decide to cut it out. But since when does that ever happen? So <laughs> I cut so much out. I am going to starting today, there is an official challenge on the table. Between now and when Rollers premieres at its theatrical or sort of otherwise premiere, not its festival premiere sure. necessarily. Okay. It's it's premiere premiere. Whoever distributes it at its premiere. Is that an assumption? Now and then. There will be some sort of premiere, even if I gotta produce it myself. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Um at its premiere, I will personally fly out anywhere from let's call it one to four people i gotta decide on the names i mean on the numbers depends how fat you are yeah exactly but i am let's just say if you review the show and this 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 uh works retroactively so everyone who's already reviewed from this point on is already entered but anyone who between now and when the movie comes out you will have a chance to be all expenses paid flown to the premiere and I will put you up all expensive paid. Holy shit. I'm going to write a fucking review. I know. So I will fly you out. I will pay for your lodging and I will pay for your, I'll give you some food and stuff while you're here. <laughs> a couple so, apples, two bananas. Yeah. A couple apple, a couple rotten apples. So <laughs> I'm putting that out there. I mean it. I'm a hundred percent serious. And it's partly because I want people to engage with the show. It's partly because I think, I, I, I think that's, a cool experience potentially for some people. Um, not because it's going to be some big splashy premiere, but because that kind of thing's fun and a lot of people don't get to do it. So um, I'm putting it out there. I don't know exactly how many people, but I, I would say more than one for sure. So starting now, I'm going to keep reminding you guys, but starting now that's on the table, write that's us a review. Hey, that's a great a rating, offer, dude. 
fly out to be part of the Rollers premiere. Obviously, we'll hang. Um, obviously, you'll get some pictures with the cast. Like, all the good things you would hope would come from that. But also, you're just going to be supporting a good show and 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 you know potentially be a part of it in a meaningful way, which is exciting. So um, I'm putting that out there. That's that's the other component of the 50th ep celebration. Dang, so awesome. Yeah. Um, and and I'll and I'll keep mentioning that. But uh, but yeah, come back next week. We're excited. Um, John, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I love it. I'm gonna write like 45 reviews under fake email addresses right now. Oh, perfect. All right, I love it. I mean, you know what? I'm not going to stop anybody because I am on the record doing that myself. <laughs> Lest we forget, John, that must make it into. We should open the 51st episode with me copping to the fact oh, that geez. I wrote a fake review for the show. And I, you, you did it under Ray Tallman. No, no, no. It's under Zay Smallman <laughs> because I didn't realize that it would. Everyone should go look at that review. It's it's one of the most embarrassing oh, moments of my life, but I decided man. to own it on air, and and nothing has changed. So anyway, um, all right. Well, we should let people go, but that that's the gist of it. Awesome. Okay. Well, great talk, Wait. and uh, talk soon. Wait.